0: This is Mercy Harper, Writer for Research Services at APQC. Remember to rate, review and subscribe to APQC Podcasts on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. As we emerge out of the COVID-19 pandemic, a lot of organizations are moving to hybrid offices, where some people work remotely, at least some of the time, and others work in the office. To learn about the unique challenges of the hybrid office environment and how leaders can make them better, I invited Lauren Trees and Iris Mansour for a quick chat. Lauren is APQC's Principal Research Lead for Knowledge Management, and Iris is the founder of Every Epic, a consulting firm that uses techniques from journalism to help organizations communicate better and have more effective meetings. So without further ado, here's our chat. I wanted to um, start today by asking you guys to tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience with hybrid offices. So maybe we could start with you, Iris.
1: So I'm Iris Mansar. I'm the founder of Every Epic. I actually started my career as a journalist. I worked at places like Reuters and Fortune and Mashable and I realized that journalists have these insane communication skills. We have to be able to make any subject compelling in uh, about half an hour. And we have to be able to talk to anyone from a president um, to someone who's been living on the streets. And these skills, I thought to myself, are incredibly useful in the workplace where you have to be able to communicate quickly and persuasively and get buy-in. And you have to be able to, again, talk to anyone from clients to management and so I started a company where I train people in those skills um, and I have a specialism in particular in training people to run, lead and participate in powerful meetings, especially powerful hybrid meetings. And In TV news, um, you essentially work from a hybrid office. You know, the, the, theme, the theme of what I'm going to tell you today is that hybrid offices are not new. The way a newsroom works is that you have a central HQ, you have the lead editors, the lead producers at a central location. In my case, it was London. And then you have satellite offices. You have correspondents. You have satellite offices, which might have five-ish people. Then you might have a correspondent in an even more far-flung place, and they might only be able to access a satellite phone. And they still have to be able to call in. They still have to be able to collaborate under extremely tight deadlines. So I would say my first experience in a hybrid office was as a journalist when I was working at Reuters and Radio France and a bunch of different places. Um, And today I've actually taken that experience and I I have a company called Every Epic and um, I train mostly business leaders to communicate more effectively and to run more effective hybrid and virtual meetings using a bunch of communication techniques I developed as a journalist.
0: Awesome, and how about you, Lauren?
2: Well, My name is Lauren Trees. I lead the knowledge management research program for APQC and I agree with Iris. I feel like this is something that has existed for a long time that a lot of people are just becoming aware of in the knowledge management space. We've spent 20 years trying to get people to collaborate virtually to do hybrid activities where maybe you have some people in the room and then you're also collaborating globally with a group of experts and things like that. So I think carrying some of those best practices and all the things that we've painfully learned over the years forward into this broader hybrid office experience that that more people are experiencing. And then just more recently, we've been doing a lot of research on virtual collaboration and virtual work. So I'm very much thinking as organizations are moving into their return to work strategies, how all of these different pieces come together, how we can carry some of the good parts of virtual work into hybrid work, um, while also getting some of the good parts of face-to-face and not always bringing that down to the, the lowest common denominator, which I think sometimes happens in the hybrid environment.
0: So what are some of the unique communication and collaboration challenges that people face in hybrid offices compared to those that are all virtual or all in person? And maybe Iris, you could kick us off with this one.
1: Yeah, there are unsurprisingly, lots of challenges. A few of those challenges include, you know, when you're a hybrid, how are you collecting the perspectives and opinions of people who are perhaps less tech-savvy, who are perhaps more introverted, um, who aren't used to speaking up. If people aren't used to speaking up in a face-to-face situation, they're probably finding it even harder to speak up in a virtual, in a hybrid situation as well. So a key a key challenge is um, giving space and drawing the best out of people who aren't just the loudest and in the room, uh, but who are also uh, further, um, who are outside of the office and who are less inclined to speak in general. The thing that's important to realize with hybrid offices is that they will magnify any issues that a company already has. So if if a company's leaders are not trained um, in bringing out different voices when everyone is face to face, if a company's leaders aren't trained in, in running effective brainstorming sessions, um, in communicating in an inspirational way. Um, when people are face-to-face, that is going to be magnified times five um, in a hybrid situation. Other issues include retention. If you've hired people in the last year and if your onboarding process wasn't fully geared to, to the situation, to COVID, which is completely understandable because it caught most companies unawares but if your onboarding process wasn't fully geared to really making people feel at home and giving them the tools to kind of to run um, in this bizarre pandemic situation um, that there are going to be remnants of that in a hybrid situation as well so if, if your onboarding process wasn't great Um, retention will be difficult as we enter hybrid space because it's possible that those new employees don't feel quite so at home with the culture and again don't really have this kind of um, impulse to share they don't really know what the dynamics are necessarily um, if they haven't been uh, face-to-face with people there are remedies to that um, but, but that's another issue that companies should watch out for and a really important point is how do you keep brainstorming how do you keep creativity going when we're in different spaces so much of creativity is about the water cooler moments those random moments those second or third degree connections and conversations with people in the office Um, how you keep those going is is a challenge but again there are solutions which i'd also be happy to talk about Um, (laughs) but those are a few of the challenges for sure
2: i think that's a great list i think one of the things that I would just add to that is when you think about information relays, when you're all in person or you're all virtual, then you're operating on, on the same wavelength at the same speed. And when you're hybrid, information is naturally gonna move faster and more seamlessly in the room than it does through your digital channels. And I think you just have to be hyper aware of that. We've had big things happen in our office. Someone announces we hit a goal or, or just something great that happened. And it's not until hours later that 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 somebody thinks to tell people on teams who aren't physically there. And I think that's true of of all kinds of information. And you can end up with remote employees feeling like second class citizens in terms of of access to knowledge and information. And I think that is so important to the the culture and the creativity pieces that you're talking about there.
0: So I I wanna start talking about solutions and Iris, you you were eager to get into it. And I think there are probably different solutions for different roles. Um, depending on where you sit in the organization, kind of shapes what what you're able to do. So I want to first talk about some of the things that executives and managers can do right
1: now to make the hybrid office better. So people want some kind of a magic bullet and there is good news and there is bad news. The good news is communication. If you're an effective communicator, you will be able to rally people whether they're in the room or whether they are virtual. Um, However, that takes some practice. That takes some technique building for most people. And what I would would say is the following: um, if companies have one area where they want to focus, I would focus on the big meetings. I'm gonna I would suggest they focus on how meetings are run and structured and how meetings are led. Because so much of the community building happens in meetings, so much of the messaging happens in meetings, and that's where people brainstorm. Um, give ideas, and also get their next steps and their marching orders. And when those are done well, people are energized, people know where they're going. When those are done badly, people languish, they get frustrated, uh, and there's a pain around hours wasted and not knowing where they stand. Here are a few techniques and tips I would give for leaders who want to run hybrid meetings effectively. It's super important to accept the fact that people want to be led, right? If you think of a meeting situation, everyone hates a meeting that overruns, Everyone hates a meeting uh, that where you've got nothing done. People want to be led. Everyone wants to be on a ship that docks on time, right? And taking that leadership, knowing what you want from the meeting, knowing in my language what your bullseye is, and knowing what your what solutions you want to have at the end of this meeting is crucial. And so framing that really clearly, today's meeting has been called because of X reason and reminding people what the ultimate goal is of today's meeting is really important, but also reminding them how it fits into a company's broader goals is another way of getting people's buy-in and getting their participation because you want to remind them that this routine meeting actually has something at stake. There are stakes here. It connects to our Q4 goals. It connects to our retention plans. It connects to our innovation policies. This is one, You're essentially telling them that this meeting has an impact. It's not just some rote thing. So number one, tell them why this meeting is important. Tell them how it links up to their goals, the company's goals and frame where you're going, frame what you want to achieve. And then you're able to be nimble. Once everyone knows what they're there for, if someone goes off track, you're able to to bring them back in. You're able to say, hey, so and so, that's a really great point. That might be relevant in two weeks time. Right now we're focused on X. And another thing it does when you are really clear about what your goal is it's easier to weave people in it's easy to weave people in who are at home and in the room another really important skill to to leading hybrid meetings um, which in my opinion is where leadership happens meeting iq is leadership iq is to read the room what does that mean when some people are there and some people aren't everyone has their signals everyone has signals that show you they're switching off. And knowing what those signals are in general for your team is really important. So read the room, be aware of what their switch off signals are, and when you see that happening, it's a cue. Move on to something else or acknowledge it. Oh, we went a little bit too long there. We are back on track now. Um, Those are a few skills which allow you to lead effective hybrid meetings, which in my opinion, uh, underpin the effectiveness of the hybrid workplace.
2: I love what you're saying there, Iris, because I think when we've done the virtual collaboration research and asked people what changes would make their virtual experience uh, more effective, more productive, a lot of people said that they wanted clear expectations for virtual meetings. And looking at the feedback that they gave, I'm like, these aren't about virtual meetings. These are about meetings. These are problems you have with meetings that are maybe exacerbated by the virtual experience and probably exacerbated again by the hybrid experience. But if you get meetings right and you run good meetings, then I feel like you're 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 in a much better stead. I, I would just add some boring logistical stuff to that based on my own experience of hybrid meetings um you know of just clearly articulating how the meeting's going to work and how you want people in the room and people not in the room to engage if you're not going to look at the chat if that's not part of your process then be really clear about that because people will be typing away You'll have all this feedback and you'll get to the end and realize that you completely left them out um, you know and, and then if if you have like set up time to set up microphones and make sure that people in the room can be seen and heard and things like that for remote employees just making time for that because I feel like when the first 10 meeting minutes of the meeting everybody remote is sitting and waiting for people in the room to get sorted out so that they can see and hear them that's a, a really bad starting experience for, for that So, you know, I I think that's all just really important. And then, of course, not everything needs to be a meeting. So there are a lot of conversations that you can maybe move into a more egalitarian format like Teams and Slack, where whether you're there or not there, you know, is going to allow for more equal participation. Um, You know, and, and then just for the individual employees, I know you were kind of focused on the leaders, and that's so important. I think it's just really important to encourage everyone to be aware of one another's circumstances. So, if you're a remote employee, being aware that somebody in the office may need to find a meeting room or they may need drive time in the morning. And if you're in the office, then, you know, if you're collaborating with a remote person, then, you know, you may need to, you know, all of you to turn on your microphone so people can hear you, all those different things. Just, I think, making sure that's front and center for people is, is really important and people want to feel heard and acknowledged and, and um, like whatever they're dealing with in their work experience that day is, uh, is front and center for the people they're collaborating with.
0: Absolutely. Iris, did you have anything to add on the kind of coming from an employee perspective when you're not the one organizing the meeting? What can you do to make that experience better?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's up to all of us to make things work and it's up to all, you know, and we can all have a contribution. Essentially, my, my suggestions for employees is clarity around what you need and framing things really clearly when you have the mic or when you have, we're so busy, we are swamped, you don't even need to tell you this, like we are swamped, we are dealing with Slack messages and endless Zoom meetings and, and, you know, very little time to actually get work done. Um, In these situations, it's so important to be really direct and clear about what your needs are. It's really important to be clear about why you should help me, why you should listen to me. And so the clearer and more concise you can be as an employee about what your needs are and about the stakes uh, in a project that you're working on, for example, um, the more likely you are to be heard and helped.
2: Aris, I have a question for you. What, is your, t- what is your take <laughs> on how you can help build relationships and build trust between uh, remote employees, people who are in the office and remote employees, people who just aren't Having that shared human experience of being in the same room together, because I feel like that's one of the biggest challenges I see and one that I think is going to grow over time as people get further away from that uh, cohabitating experience in the office.
1: Yeah, it's a great question. How do you recreate those water cooler moments? How do you recreate those moments where you just bump into someone in the corridor and have a coffee with them and then have a great idea? Um, I think there is a lot of need, perhaps even more, for moments for people to vent and share and talk about things which are really tangential to work. That is hugely beneficial from a psychological perspective, but also from a creativity perspective. So there are some companies which I work with which do creativity sessions. um, They'll have people in the office or over Zoom and they'll have some kind of creative task or some kind of creative challenge they have to solve that has actually nothing to do with work but what it does is that it gets the juices flowing and it gets people collaborating and it sets a precedent for them it sets a precedent for how they should work together when you do something that has nothing to do with your work you're you're completely uncomplicated right there are no politics at play you're not you don't feel like you're being judged it has no impact you're able to kind of throw yourself into it so having some kind of exercises and initiatives and um, creative moments which have nothing to do with work will um help your people model um a behavior which is more collaborative and creative so so being really intentional about having those moments where people can like get things done and perhaps solve something together that again is outside of their day-to-day is going to reap really huge rewards that's one way of doing it because you strike up conversations naturally and organically Uh, you find out what people's skills are organically uh, and then you might then you'll think of them you'll be like oh and so and so was was great on this project or they have this skill um, I'm going to bring them in or I want to talk to them, talk more. But it's a lower pressure way, again, of just discovering what your thoughts and ideas are in general, and then being able to think about them as people you can collaborate with in the future.
0: Well, my last question for you guys is around the more long-term challenges and opportunities that um, organizations need to consider when it comes to hybrid work. And Lauren, I think maybe you can kick us off with this one
2: yeah i have a little bit of an axe to grind on this particular topic right now (laughs) so i'm i'm gonna go there uh there's an article (laughs) Just this week in Fast Company that's co-authored by uh, Nicole Lamoureux, who is the chief human resources officer for IBM, and uh, talking about IBM and Slack and how they're going to approach hybrid work. And I I think there's a lot of great concepts in this article. But part of what they're saying is that they want to give small teams autonomy to define the specifics of work that is best for them. So if you have five or ten people giving them the freedom to set their weekly hours and determine when they want to meet in person and how they're going to work together. And it's all this very nice human-centric culture about giving individuals and teams autonomy. And it's very much this kind of Silicon Valley empowerment message that, to me, sounds great until you start to scratch the surface a little bit Uh, because what we found in our research on virtual collaboration is that one person's freedom is another person's anarchy and there are a lot of employees who actually want clearer parameters for working virtually what is required of me what is not required of me and that is especially true for what i think of as more vulnerable groups so younger people women people in more junior roles so so i have a lot of concerns about these autonomous teams setting their own rules where I, i just worry that not everyone on this team is going to want the same thing and then people who are in positions of either explicit or or implicit power on that team are going to set the rules of engagement to suit themselves and that others may not have a lot of recourse to navigate this environment. So, So I'm just kind of worried about the inclusion aspect not just of remote and in-person people but also of how these teams form the norms and policies and expectations for working together and how we can make that um, you know more equitable for everybody involved
1: yeah i agree i agree with lauren i think it's really important that we create situations where the people who aren't in the office don't miss out on promotions for example because they're not gaining capital with management because they're not, you know, they're not getting as much FaceTime. time. Um, so I think, you know, a danger for companies is that they could be passing up on excellent talent and ideas purely because those people are not in the same physical space. Um, I think you can also think of this as a benefit, as an advantage. So often in the pre-COVID days, remember those? People would complain about being in the office too much, that they weren't getting things done, that there were so many distractions. I mean, there is a beauty if, if your hybrid office is set up you know, in, in a way that permits people to be in the office for a few days a week and then giving them a couple of days where they can do deep work at home, that might be a net benefit in some situations. Um, I agree, it's important as well to consult with people to a degree, uh, but that consultation process has to be uh, safe. It has to feel safe, people have to feel that they can express themselves um, because this is a really high stakes question for so many people. Some people have made real gains. Uh, their work-life balance has improved. You know, parents have been able to spend time with their kids. Um, people haven't spent, haven't had to spend three hours a day commuting. Um, it's a pretty high-stakes decision. It feels really, it is really personal uh, for people. It really has an impact on their lives. Um, and so, a form of consultation which takes into account the, you know, the different power dynamics is really important and is, uh, and it, it is key. I think. Running some kind of a consultation process is great, but again, making sure that there are safety guards and um, so that more vulnerable people, people with less power feel that they can truly express themselves is, 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 the way, is the way to conduct it. Yeah, and if there are people who are permanently at home who you know, work at home five, five days a week, um, perhaps there are groups of people in the same area. Perhaps they could meet once a week. Uh, perhaps your um, quarterly retreat is the opportunity. To, to really do that team building, that culture building, oil those wheels for the rest of the quarter so that you have this kind of collaboration flow going?
2: Yeah, I think there's a lot of different elements to balance between... Um people who are setting the rules and people who are following the rules explicitly and implicitly, people who are in the office, people who are hybrid, people who are out of the office. And all you have to do is go on Twitter or LinkedIn to see that people have really strong personal feelings about how this should play out in the future. And a lot of people, evangelize and project their personal life experience onto the entire universe in a way that I find very reductive and frustrating, uh, where they say everybody should work from home forever and we should never go to the office and other people say we should never work from home ever again and no one should and it's so much more nuanced and complicated than that and I think most large organizations are very aware of that and trying to figure out how to navigate this. Um, but, but there's just so many different factors to include. And you were talking about training people to run good hybrid meetings. I think that's one really important piece of a whole bunch of management, um, management training that is required to do this well and I think good HR departments are thinking about that but unfortunately some managers don't necessarily want to be retrained and especially if they've been doing their job for 20 or 30 years and the ones that have been surviving the last year and just gunning to get back to normal operations in terms of how they manage and lead people I think is going to take a lot of Um, a a lot of work and a lot of soul searching on the part of organizations for how they want to handle that going forward.
0: I'm Mercy Harper. Thanks for joining us for this APQC podcast. Please go to apqc.org to learn more and have a great rest of your day.